like I have a two a two twenty buck and a two thirty buck right now at home, the replicas in the office, and. I, when people come in, you know, they come into the office and they're like, what the hell are those? And I'm like, and they get talking. I'm like, which one would you shoot? I, I'm not even kidding. More than half the people have picked the 220 buck over the 230 buck. Cause he's just, they're big. Yeah. And that's what I love about mule deer is they're so different. I mean, you get a 220 year and I got one that's pushing 30 inches wide and he's short time, but he, I mean, he's got fit almost 50 inches of mass. So then you get a 230 buck that's deep fork, kind of a little bit more spindly, but not as big or wide. And so it's mule deer are so fascinating to me. And it's just, it, every one of them is different. It's like, it's, you'd never find one except, except the straight typical that is just like, oh man, like well, I've called a couple like that. I've, at least me where we're at, the, gen, the genetics are just unreal. I mean, they just, I mean, that 240 buck they killed this year was just yeah, stupid. Incredible. Stupid. These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. The Six Ranch Podcast is brought to you by Sig Sauer. SIG is a leading provider and manufacturer of firearms, electro-optics, ammunition, air guns, and suppressors. For over 250 years, SIG Sauer Inc. has evolved and thrived by blending American ingenuity, German engineering, and Swiss precision. Today, SIG Sauer is synonymous with industry-leading quality and innovation, which has made it the brand of choice amongst the U.S. military the global defense community, law enforcement, competitive shooters, hunters, and responsible citizens. Sig Sauer is also a premier provider of elite firearms instruction and tactical training at the Sig Sauer Academy located in New Hampshire. For more information about Sig Sauer and its complete line of products, visit SigSauer.com. So, I mean, at which point do you start growing ear hairs? I have, if I would have known this, I would have been taking care of it since day one, James. It just hit me rent. I just, How long did it get? It was like a quarter inch, half inch. That's long enough for an ear hair. I feel like any length is too long. I think at some point you reach, you reach this level where you can just like start growing out your eyebrows and your ear hair and like get these big professor eyebrows. Yeah. Like, just, just let it go. I'm not there yet. But you're, you are growing your hair. Are you recording this? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't started yet, James. Yeah, we have. Oh, man. Yeah, I just, uh, that's where I hit. And there was something else that just happened recently where I, it was this come to Jesus moment where I was like, I'm old. I'm getting old. I like the gray hairs. I see. I've rocked the gray for a long time. Yeah. I, ever since I was like, I think after my second appointment, they just started popping up out of nowhere. And I, I messed up and I plucked them at first. I was like, what is this? Is this a gray hair? And bink. And then the, if you the next kill day, one, there was 10 more. Yeah, yeah. If it's you, like, if it's like kill a kill one, 10, come to the funeral. <laughs> it was a coyote, dude. <laughs> it was a coyote. She just bink, got one. And then, dude, they just multiplied. It came in a full force. And then I gave up. I stopped fighting it and just accepted my, my fate. I wonder how old the oldest coyote ever was. Man, I don't know. You see some of these bears that get killed, right? And they're like pushing 30 years yeah. old. Like. I know, obviously, dog's life is, lifespan is way older, but I feel even like an eight-year-old dog in the mountains surviving is ancient. I was hunting in 
a mountain range in central Nevada and me and my buddy Adam were above 10,000 feet for like five days. Mm -hmm. Barely holding on to deer life, you know, trying to, trying to get a mule deer with a, with a trad bow. No, didn't happen. It was an incredible hunt, but I saw a coyote up there above 10,000 feet on a Mustang trail that was three legged. Just, dude, just earning it. I don't even know if I, I mean, I would shoot it, but. Seeing it that high with one or three legs, I mean, that's just one of those things you almost just be like, good for you. Well, I shot a two-legged one. What? Uh, yeah. So he had one um, one front and one rear. Um, he was missing a front all the way up next to his body. And then his other rear um, was still bleeding, <clears throat> and he had bite marks going up his leg. Wolves? Who knows? Yeah. You know, whether he got tangled up with, with wolves, with a mountain lion, with other some pack. cow dogs, other oh, coyotes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of things that are against a coyote. But and he, he was kind of moving weird across the hillside, but not weird enough that that's what caught my eye. I was just like, coyote, grabbed a gun, shot the coyote, went out there. And, uh, yeah, two-legged. That's interesting. Incredible animals. They really are. People don't, I don't feel like, give them enough credit. They're tough. And coyotes are hard to hunt. If you're... Like, going out with the intention of hunting a coyote, it's not easy. Mm-mm. No, especially in a hunted area. I mean, there's a, I mean, nowadays, it's such a big thing, right? I remember yeah. even five years ago, it wasn't huge. Now, it's everybody's just out slaying dogs all winter. I mean, that's all you see, and so which is awesome. We need it. Yeah. But now, it's like, I mean, a few years ago, you'd drive around any ranch property, and there'd be just dogs running everywhere. Now, it's just, I mean, God. They're smart. They're they adaptable are, animals. They definitely get smart real quick. Mm-hmm. Better hit them first shot. Or they're educated. And it's a little target. That's another thing people don't understand. Yep. They look big and poofy. You know, a lot of times when they're coyote hunting, you have a scope with a lot of magnification. You zoom way in. But their kill zone is about the size of a grapefruit. It's really, yeah, it's really small. I think the best shot I've ever put on a coyote was seven ninety nine with a client. He, Oof. It was probably, a, I'd say, 90% luck. And, well, I mean. it's a, It's a half MOA shot. Mm, dude so can you hit can you hit a dime at 100 yards yeah absolutely i feel like i could let's do it this week okay i feel like i could every time no absolutely not so it's not just like that because a dime at 100 yards is one thing but you don't have to deal with 800 yards of wind uh-huh see i had a, I had a face like a, you know direct wind so which spin was, drift you probably have four or five inches of spin absolutely. drift Absolutely. and it was with six five creed too your favorite <laughs> I had, I had Christie's gun. It's my tr- it's my truck gun when I'm guiding, you know. And that guy, I just, this dog was just standing. I mean, just out there. I ranged <laughs> it out the driver's or the passenger side window, and I was like, seven ninety nine. I dialed eight hundred, got out, put it on the hood, poof, and I hit him right above the elbow, in between the shoulder and the elbow. Yeah, and he spun around and just laid down. <laughs> he just didn't go very far. It's a great shot. Yeah, my client was like, "There's no way. There's no." The whole time, I'm like, "Well, stop moving." He's in the truck, you know, bouncing around trying to get his binos, and I was like, "Well, we're gonna give her a shot." I shot a coyote from a long ways away once. I know. California. Have you told this story on our podcast yet? I don't think so. I was going to have you on my podcast <laughs> to tell this story because it's that good of a story. You hold the world record. We'll just I'll, we'll, I'll wait. We'll, I'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait on that. It was a long shot. Yeah. You know what else is really deceiving is, is antelope. <laughs> yeah? I still haven't hunted antelope. Dude, you're going to come to Wyoming with us this year. We're yeah. Gonna, I got you. We're going to do, do that. But yeah, there's, I mean, a lot of guys, especially with clients, they just... I'd say that's one of the most missed things that I have guided. Guys are just like, man, like I thought I was dead to rights on that. And then you get up to them and they're just such a small bodied animal. I, I feel like, like a lot of guys just don't realize it until you get up on them. People tend to shoot over them, under them, 
not play the wind? Yeah, no. Um, I see a lot of undershots is what I get on them. I mean, it's just you see them, and once you get up on it, it's just such a deceiving animal. I feel like personally, it's just you know when I put especially kids or anything on, I try to get them as close as possible. But I just saw a video the other day, some guy hammering one at like seven eighty. I was like, that's impressive. Like it's a good shot on an antelope. It's a real. I mean, it's not much bigger than a, than a coyote. Yeah. Okay, so right now we are at the Gray Cliffs Ranch outside Bozeman, Montana for the Sig Sauer Elite Hunter Training Forum. And you're one of Sig Elite Hunters. Um, we're flying like 16 people, 17 people out here to this lodge to get trained on shooting and products um, with guys like Peter Howell, 20-year guide, Daniel Horner, um, you know, like an 11-time international world champion, like... Unreal. Yeah. Next level. Pretty good at shooting guns. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and me. And we, uh, we're going to go through some shooting. But we were just out on the steel course and talking about paint. And some of these targets were painted vertically so that half of it was blue and half of it was white. Left blue, right white. And I was mentioning to you that that can be a deceptive target because your eye naturally goes towards the light. Yep. And you want that contrast between your reticle in that lighter color. And if you allow your eye to do that, then you've cut your shootable space down in half. Literally in half. So with an antelope, they're white on the bottom half of their body. Mm -hmm. So if the misses tend to be low, it makes me wonder if that's not what's going on because most misses on most game animals are high. Yeah. I mean, it could obviously, there's a lot that goes into, you know, with a client as well. Sure. Because who knows the last time they shot a lot of these guys come out and oh i'm good at long range and you ask them oh 200 yards all day and you're just like you know guys from alabama out east they just don't or texas the guys some a lot of areas just don't get an opportunity to actually really poke out and shoot long range and when they do i feel like a lot of them just put a big giant steel target out there and they're not actually trying to hammer an eight inch you know gong or yep. a 10 inch gong at five six plus 100 yards and so they come out and you get this animal and it's like oh yeah there's you know it's just like when you see like a mule deer right it's just then you get up on them and some of them just grow and you're just like wow this is a big bodied animal but doesn't really look at it some things could just be deceiving especially if they don't have the time behind it so definitely makes it it interesting for that but yeah i'd, I'd like i mean it's just there's so much i mean i i've when you're not behind a the gun there's so many variables that can happen and so it, it's hard to say with a client exactly what's going on. I mean, some guys are just dead nuts. I mean, they come out and they give you a range. And I try to I try to cut every range that a client tells me in half. Like, I ask for, for sure. Like, hey, what are you comfortable to? Oh, 500 all day. Cool. We're going to be at 250. That's yep. going to be our – that's going to be our – if we can, you know, I'll, I'll close it as close as I, I can. Even, like, right, I'm talking rifle hunters. I'll get – I'll put it in – I treat every hunt almost as it's like an archery hunt. Like, yep. cool, you could shoot 800 yards. They're, they're so – wind drift i mean you have the humidity you got everything comes into play and so i try to eliminate every single option that we can with with a client and like hey we're good right here we still got a lot of terrain to cover and we have a lot of dead space between us that we can hide and get low like why not close it in i'd rather come over a hill at 150 yards and just you know almost like nothing's guaranteed but you know increase the odds for that so it's it's definitely could be interesting but this place is next level i mean oh it's a beautiful place mm-hmm. i'm beautiful excited place. it's gonna be a fun week you should see well you're gonna see them later but i saw the steaks we're eating tonight i saw what what's in the what's in the oven so we are having wagyu prime plus 
prime rib tonight. Is this from the Six Ranch? Are no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> my my cattle don't make prime. You yeah, know, they okay. they don't. They're they're a leaner animal. But man, we've been getting treated real good. I've been here for a day now, and the food is just incredible. That's the first thing I did is I went and checked out the kitchen. Beautiful place. <laughs> yeah. yeah, beautiful place. Oh yeah, I saw like eight hundred head elk yesterday. It's awesome. That's never bad. And uh, yeah, so we're gonna do some some classroom learning. Gonna do some shooting, try and put it all together, and and uh, and start getting uh, a couple of you prepared for another event that we have coming up that I can't quite talk about yet, but it's exciting. And um, and then everybody else is either a guide or an outfitter or you know somehow a, a professional hunter in the hunting industry, and we're just trying to improve the skills of everybody that's coming out here. And it's amazing because. I don't, I don't think there's any other company that's, that's ever this. done no. this with their pro staff. For no. sure not. And, and it's it's almost one of those things like, why not? Why has this yeah. not happened? Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited after switching over last year and running a few of the, the SIG products and just being blown away by it. And especially having young kids and with the BDX system. I mean, that's – and I'll, I'll be honest. And you know me, at any, yeah. anybody you know – I'm going to shoot it straight. And I was really skeptical at first. Like, you know, I, I try to stay away from the, the electronic. Yeah. Very, I try to eliminate that, you know? And so, and, but switching over, it was just one of those things. I was like, I really want to try this. I've, you, you, you hear so much good about it. And to be able the fact that I can sit next to my daughter, range her target and that dot pops up and she knows exactly where to hold, obviously, you know, making your wind, her windage, call, windage calls. But I mean, what a, what an incredible system, especially for new hunters, um, guys that just they, they don't get the time to go out and just shoot and put rounds down range and get extremely comfortable with that rifle, which obviously you should do anyways, having no matter what system it is. But it just it just it's so nice to not have to worry about what's going on behind or in that glass. I know where my my daughter knows where she needs to hold. I mean, I go out and we'll, I'll be I'll tell her pick pick find me a target. She'll be like, oh, you see, and she'll walk me on. And there, there's all those little training tips, you know, because right. I want my my daughters to be able, yeah, there's a deer, where? Right there, right there. Well, where, right? So, I yeah. mean, find me a landmark. Walk, okay, walk me on. You know, and Those are little things that, you know, you try to teach them from such a young age. And now I can go out with my daughter. She'll be like, okay, the fence post, you know, and walk me onto them. And I'll, I'll range them. be like, okay, have at it. And, dude, she's just center punching these rocks. And, like, clay, we're putting clay pigeons out. I think it was, like, 550, and she's just hammering for a shot every time. So, yeah. uh, and yeah. that was the first day out. And I was just like, okay, you know, me being a Marine, I can screw something up real easy. And it took a little tweaking, you know, and I, I feel that there's, um, you know, if you can actually, once you get the, all the, the data put in and your dope and everything is locked in, to put it on a big sheet of steel, and that way you can make those fine adjustments to see exactly where you're, you're, where you're hitting. Like, you know, and it's really cool to be able to go in your app and be like, okay, 600 yards, I'm shooting two inches low. And, and you plug that in and it calculates it for you, and there you go, your next shot should be dead nuts or pretty close and so yeah it's been fun being able to make those little muzzle velocity and ballistic mm -hmm. coefficient corrections is huge it it's an interesting technology it really is and i feel like it's just getting started too yeah like, yeah and there's and there's gonna be hiccups especially when there's always a new version right yeah. i mean it, this is one of those things to expect so far i mean i have run it in every condition except for extreme colds and haven't had one one only problem that i run into is i'll forget to turn it off Kills, <laughs> it kills yeah. my batteries. That's the only downfall on that. And but I mean, it's just it, it, once you have the range finder hooked up, anyways. I mean, it just you can. There is a, a motion sensor in it, so that if it's not moving, it'll time out yep. 
Um, and, and you can set that for two minutes or five minutes or whatever you want. But if it's riding around in your pickup, it's bouncing. Yeah, yeah. It's telling it to be Which on all always, the time. Which it's always, I mean, yeah, that gun exactly. never leaves my truck. So, yeah. yeah, I've learned my lesson a few times. So I went out and just bought a surplus of those little watch batteries. Sure. And they're cheap. It, they're really cheap. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I grab a whole cents. stack out yeah. of them and I'll, I'll throw a couple in the in my vinyl harness and then take them out, throw them in that little back zipper part of it. And I'm just. That's it. Have you been using those uh, stabilized binoculars I gave you? Oh, man. Yes. And it kind of ruined me on everything else. Like it kind of does. It, not in a joking way. Yeah. Like, I mean, people, people, hey, yeah, here's my binos. I just got these new whatever. And I'm just like, but I have these. Like, yeah. And, and these guys, I mean, every, I probably have put them in probably 50 guys' hands so far. Yeah. From Texas to Colorado and you name it, all the, the hunts I've done this year. And I'll just tell these guys, I'm like, hey. All right, find something. Find that license plate. Or, hey, see that sign down there? Just look at it. And they're like, okay. And then, you know, fl- I'll flip it on for them. And at every single person's reaction is just, holy shit. Yeah. I mean. Every time. I was, when I did my Colorado hunt this year, I mean, it's the fact that you I could be going down a two-track, and it was a late-season hunt. The deer were, I'm talking, they've been shot at for, for three months now. And, you know, I get to go out and do a call hunt or whatever, try to find a buck that's not busted up. So they're, they're spooky. I mean, you come over a hill in 1,000 yards, and those deer are running, sure. you know. And there was this nice, this you know you know how it is. The second you touch a break, they just that's when they care. But you could just go buy them 100 miles an hour, and they'll stand there. <laughs> and I'd just tell the wife, like, grab the wheel. And I'd grab those binos, and, I mean, I'd just flip that stabilizer on. And, I mean, we're going 20, 30, 40 miles an hour down a two-track, and it is, like, just solid as a rock. Yeah. I mean, it is really impressive. Yeah. And I mean, once then what, where I, where I really like them is when you're kind of, especially on the guiding point, we try to kill mature as mature deer as we can. Right. And there's a lot of times where you get in these situations where we're on them, like in the corn. I mean, you'll be 20 yards and people think, Oh, you're 20. Yards. When you're, when you got the adrenaline rushing and you're 20 yards from a deer, especially, a, you know, looks like a, once in a lifetime buck your adrenaline's pumping i'm trying to pick apart and see okay how long are the tines does it have any kick you know just trying to pick apart the deer trying to age its face especially when they're bedded it's so hard to age a deer you know when that's piled in some brush or whatever we're right there i got an archery hunter two feet behind me you know do those i mean you flip them on and it's it's like it's like having your spotter on on a tripod locked in there and i'm laying on the ground and not even, I mean, it's just, it, and I could see every little bit of detail when that heart and your heart's pumping. I mean, that's when, that was the most crucial when I was like, okay, not even just the hunt, like just glassing aspect. When you're, when that adrenaline is maxed and I'm trying to put my client on a deer that I know that they're going to go home extremely happy with and pick apart. I mean, I, it was just, boom, just was locked in there. You might as well be carrying a giant spotter with, with a tripod. <laughs> it's, it's that good. Yeah. Honestly, it's that, it works that well. And I mean, like I said, every single person's like, there's no way, yeah. no way, no, like there's just no, like what, okay. Like what are the downfalls? I'm like, well, I haven't found any yet. I mean, yeah. it, the downfall is it ruins using any other binos. Well, I don't want to out the guy cause he's sponsored by another optics company, but I just handed a pair of 16s, you know, to a guy outside and, uh, he, he had just told me, no, I, you know, for what I'm about to do, 16s won't work. Yeah. And he smiled like a clown mm-hmm. and then packed them off. And I don't know if I'm going to see those binoculars no. again. No, <laughs> it's honest. I mean, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's no, I mean, it's just, there's so many, those were just a couple of the experiences that I was like, was a hundred percent set. I mean, it was no brainer. And I have the, what the, you have the 10 by 30. I have the tens. Yeah. And even those, but I mean, it's just for it's something that's really, really far and you're just shake. 
I would put those, I'd roll my window up, put them on, and just hit that stabilizer and just, I mean, even far, I'm talking far, way, 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 way out, like something that you would not, you know, you'd want to get out more powerful or the spotter, cut half of the, getting my spotter out, put it on the window. I mean, you just pull it up real quick. I hit that stabilizer. Eh, short times, fronts are short. Let's get out of here, keep rolling. And instead of putting it in park, getting yeah. your spotter out, putting the phone scope, getting everything ready, and then pick it up on, uh, yeah, maybe next year, right? And like now it's just, Binos, boom, stabilizer, nope, next, or absolutely no-brainer. Like, you know right away. It's just, it's, oh God, I hope, I wish every, I could just, just hand them to everybody at a show and be like, try these. I mean, you'd be sold, right? I mean, it's it's one of those products they, that you have to. They've been selling out every, as soon as that's the they problem. get in stock, they I, just sell out immediately. That's the biggest yeah. problem. People are, hey, how, how? And I'm yeah. just like, you got it. I mean, the second they're hitting, they're going. But it, it's definitely one of those products that once you get it in your hands, it's sold. That yeah. It does, it sells itself. There's nothing Oh, it's fun. Tell it's me fun. about your your uh, your 2019 guide season. You had like the magical mule deer year. Oh my, yeah, it was a good year. Every year has been a good year out there. I mean, it's 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 tough, you know. I mean, it's it's we have about 350 thousand acres, a little more. I've I've got us quite a bit more over the years, just just door knocking and helping ranchers and pushing cattle with clients and helping fix fences and things like that. So we've grown over the years, but um, yeah, 2019 was unreal, man. I mean. I went out and didn't know anything. I mean, it was one of those like, hey, I need help. Can you come out and just for this season and just, and I'm, I showed up and they're like, listen, here's your unit, find big deer and kill them. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> like I'll do my best. And so I, I honestly, I probably shouldn't even be saying this. I would be driving around like the night before clients were coming in like, okay, can I come in here? Like, is this, I'm trying to figure this out. And yeah. it's just, but I mean, I take it so personally, personal when a client doesn't tag out i it's it's i i mean it it hits me you know like that's me on that hunt right Right. like that's how i look at it and so you know and so i go above and be i mean it's just those days where you're just over it and you know how it is you just Mm -hmm. just certain clients you just don't jive with and we're very fortunate we maybe get one guy a year where you're just like okay like maybe i'm rethinking my guide life but and that's okay. Like not everybody gets no, along. No, and that's exactly it. But I tr- even in once you learn your once you learn your client, then you can mirror and match, and you know what they're into yeah. and those kind of things. But it was one of those things, man. Instead of it, just we just grinded and grinded and grinded every single day, and it was in, in, at the same time learning a lot of this land and these draws, and then going from a hunting mountains primarily to now hunting eastern plains where okay, there's a muley. We might have to sit on this thing for four days during archery season because it keeps bedding in this thousand by thousand yard field that's a cut wheat field. Right. What do you do with that, right? And it's like, you, know, you yeah. tell your clients. Take like, a tunnel. Yeah. Hey, we, here's a couple <laughs> options. What do you want to do? So, I mean, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun, man. I mean, we killed some giants. We killed a, a couple of 220 bucks. We killed a 230, bunch of 200s. I mean, and then when we do kill, I want to say I'm using the air coats on smaller deer. You're shooting these deer that are, I mean, there's no teeth in their head, and they might, they still are 170, 180 inch buck. Like I'll walk by a three year old 180 inch deer to kill a five six year old mature 170 inch buck, and it's like that 230 buck that made the cover of Eastman's this year. We're 100 percent convinced, or yeah, it was on the cover of Eastman's, yeah, this year. I passed that deer. He's 185 inch buck the year prior. Wow. And my standing in the road rifle Blew season. Up. And my client's like, I'll shoot, I'll get I'll shoot it. I'm like, 
nope, dude, sorry, man. It's yeah. it's a young buck, and he's literally 20 yards. I have a video of it somewhere. 20 yards standing on the road in front of my truck, and he's got these devil hooks that come out. And I was like, sorry, bud, needs another year. We'll find, we'll find one, you know. And we killed that deer in the same field the following year and went 233. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. There's a big difference between a 230 buck and a 220 buck. And I feel like people don't understand that. Like those inches you start adding on after 180 really, really make a difference in how that deer looks. And muleys are so cool because uh, see, these guys come out and they'll be like, I want a 200 inch deer. I always ask, hey, what are we looking for? I love the, you point and tell me to kill it, bam, I'm killing it. Yeah. it those are the, gr- I mean, I pray for it. And obviously guys, there's, we get clients that have killed mule deer. I have a, we have a client that comes out and I think he's got like 30 bucks that are over 200 inch. I mean, this guy spends hundreds of thousands a year on just killing giant deer. Well, obviously, you know, you you get those guys, but a 220, I mean, these guys are like, I want 200 inch deer. And I'm like, you realize a 200 inch buck is literally 170 inch deer with kickers, like some trash on it. Mm -hmm. If you knock off the main, all your little point, I mean, it's 170 inch, 180 inch buck, which is a great deer. I mean, I'd shoot one all day. And so, but you get those two, like I have a two. A 220 buck and a 230 buck right now at home, the replicas in the office. And I, when people come in, you know, they come into the office and they're like, what the hell are those? And I'm like, and they get talking. I'm like, which one would you shoot? I, I'm not even kidding. More than half the people have picked the 220 buck over the 230 buck because he's just, they're big. Yeah. And that's what I love about mule deer is they're so different. I mean, you get a 220 year and I got one that's pushing 30 inches wide. And he's short time, but he, I mean, he's got fit almost 50 inches of mass. So then you get a 230 buck that's deep fork, kind of a little bit more spindly, but not as big or wide. And so it's mule deer are so fascinating to me. And it's just, it, every one of them is different. It's like, it's, you'd never find one except the straight typical that is just like, oh man, like well, I've called a couple like that. I've, at least me where we're at, the, gen, the genetics are just unreal. I mean, they just, I mean, that 240 buck they killed this year was just, yeah. Stupid. Incredible. Stupid. And so, you know, the fact that you get to go out and see that quality of deer and be able to see it week after week or at least every other week you stumble across one. And what blows my mind about the Eastern Plains hunting is where do they come from? Yeah. You, you drive by a field the whole season in this area and you're, you're hitting it every single day and nothing. Like that 220 that we killed two years ago, I had a couple clients miss them the year prior in 2019 couple clients miss them, and I looked all 2020, or, yeah, the, the, the fall going in 2020. Gone. This deer disappeared. I, <laughs> when my last client missed it with a rifle, I watched that deer run for 40 minutes. I mean, it was just a dust trail across the plains, right? And I was like, well, it's fun seeing that. And I looked for it for the rest of that season. And then the following year, I searched the whole year for that deer. Gone. Yeah. The last rifle hunter first day. Deer was standing in the field that my last client the year prior missed it in the same field within a hundred yards of each other where he was. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, where did he come from? Where like, it blows my mind where they can just, they just pop up and they'll just appear. Where does this 240 deer come from? Like how are not pictures of this thing? Or do people not chase it all over? 240 inch deer is unreal. I mean, just unreal to be able to hold something like that. It's just, yeah. where do they live? I mean, they, they just, they walk these little draws, they, all those little Creek bottoms, that, that little divot can be, I've shot, I've shot elk smaller than that and been super happy about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All my elk are smaller than that. <laughs> <laughs> every, every elk I kill is smaller. <laughs> I've killed bigger mule deer than my elk score. <laughs> every elk dies, dude. Every elk dies. They don't, hey, I'm an opportunistic elk The hunter. little ones taste better, man. Those older bulls, they, See, don't, but they don't taste you've good. you killed older big bulls. <laughs> so you have that excuse like, yeah, I'm more of a taste guy these yeah. days. No, yeah. I just kill the first bull that comes in every time and then I'm like, fuck. 
<laughs> the first day, first hour, boom, arrow through it. Cool. I'm tagged out. Then I'm just like, why did I do that every time? Dude, I, I love hunting big bulls. I really do. And I love guiding big bulls. But, you know, I, I bought a cow tag this year and had this big herd of elk come come through the ranch and I was asleep, you know, it was like early morning <laughs> yeah. and my neighbor called me and was like, Hey, there's elk on your place. And I get the voicemail like half an hour later. I'm like, I don't really want to listen to the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. neighbors asking me to like, go pull him out of a ditch or clean a ditch or what some, does he need something to do with yeah. a ditch oh, yeah. for sure. And, uh, I'm like, I see this big swath of tracks through the snow. I'm like, what is happening? Go out there and you know, big herd of elk standing there. And I was like, Where's a little one? Okay, that's a calf. I mean, give me one size up. Uh-huh. Yeah, yearling steps <laughs> off to the side. You <laughs> win. <laughs> and it was Those delicious, the, man. The They're the Freaking best. gourmet. Dude, yearling cows and spike bulls are the best meat I've ever had in North America. There's. You like it better than blacktail? I haven't had blacktail. I haven't had blacktail. I love And black. I haven't had axis. I'm going axis hunting next week. Axis is I've, the top. I've heard that's good. I'd say my list would be axis antelope blacktail antelope i love antelope one of the one of the greatest meats ever i'm excited if taken care of properly got to get it cold quick right cold quick get the get the hide off of it immediately i see there's so many of these guys and oh antelope smells rancid they shoot an antelope they throw in the bed of their truck and they drive around all afternoon with their buddy and trying to get them tagged out i literally when i'm guiding them or even on my personal hunts i have a cooler full of ice and i have an empty cooler and as, as soon as I do it, get a picture real quick, cool, happy, get the skin off of it, and I just start packing it in ice, and then you can keep on hunting. And it's just you take that extra little bit of time. I've you wouldn't you wouldn't even know you're eating antelope. It's so good. I love it. And yeah. blacktail's blown away blacktail. And I shot an old buck this year, yeah. old. And I've I was kind of kind of you know even whitetail every now and then I'll eat a whitetail and be like eh you know, it's all right it's just whitetail to me. That whitetail that I killed um, in Nebraska this year was incredible. See, so my Idaho whitetail. Tastes better than any white tail I've killed in the South. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, and there, I don't, I feel like there, there's, there wasn't any like, there was hay fields, you know, nearby, but there wasn't corn or any mile. Like, so they were living in these little river bottoms, kind of flats in these mm-hmm. little, um, with those little willow tree, you know, like those patches of willows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's where they were. And I was kind of this, uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, it was a decent old mature buck and nothing like any of the east coast or southern like texas whitetail i thought it was way better than that blacktail i was like i was kind of like oh we'll see we'll see how this goes you know being an old just an old mountain buck yeah and man the kids even everyone was like wow this is really good so i've heard that the the sitka blacktail in the summertime like when they get them up in the alpine zone in prince of wales or kodiak mm-hmm. that those are fantastic and locals can kill those deer and like july and august august yeah. maybe i don't I don't, I don't I don't know you know all finding good it's subsistence hunting and i i've heard those are really incredible See, I'm, I'm pumped to try axis oh it's it's a sweet meat yeah i like that yeah that's what it's it's hard to explain to people because they're like oh man like meal deer and whitetail are the greatest and i'm just like wait until you go to africa dude and that's why it's another level because impala Heart of beast, kudu, zebra was amazing. Zebra's very good. Hippo's not bad actually. I kind of want to kill a hippo so bad. That's my that's on my top five. It's dense, but it's got a really good rich flavor. Um, Cape buffalo is good. Yep, but, yeah, buffalo. Um, Sable was really good. Really. Mm-hmm. And just and I hate to say it, but it honestly it shits on any meat here, like yeah. like beef. Any, I mean, yeah. I would eat Africa game 
over anything here. See, you are turning into a foodie. You were joking about it earlier. I wasn't joking about it. You were just laughing at me. <laughs> you, you thought I was joking. Hey, my palate is is is. I'm trying new things. Highly okay? refined. It is. It really is. I mean, it, and it's fun. Like, yeah. and, and like, kind of in a joking, not joking way. We're, we're trying so many new things. You know, in the yeah. last year or two, to cool. You get your meat back. You cut it in the steaks. You get burger. Like, it's just so generic yeah. every single time. And so, you know, us being this, we've kind of just absorbed it, this bear killing family now. And it's just, we have all, I mean, we're killing four or five, six bears a spring right. between Oregon, Idaho and Montana, or wherever I can get a tag and yeah. take the kids. Um, so it's like, I have all this bear, I got all this elk and it's just, I'm like, we got to start. And so we started canning things. We started just trying all the new jerkies and marinates and just trying just slow roast and all this without going like super meat eater, eating the stomach lining. I'm not going that far, but just trying new cool things and, and, and new recipes. And just, it's been a lot of fun. And then getting the kids involved with it, you know, now that Chrissy, she's full swing hunting. I mean, she killed the doe and she killed a little you know, bear this year. So being able to process this stuff with them, but then just doing cool and packaging it or canning it and giving, be able to give it to people and other friends and stuff yeah. like that. Like she gets a lot of enjoyment out of that. And we all do. I mean, yeah. it's fun. You it's, came it's over the in the middle part. of a canning yeah. session. And oh, yeah. so, you know, the, everybody's involved. And so it's just, I know. Those. I think Britt was kind of mad at us because she had to go to the store and she's like, we're not canning meat tonight. And then she went to like this gas station a mile away and came back and we're like, Cannon bear, <laughs> or like, we're like, searing it on the grill. It's only well, the water's already I guess boiling. We're cannon bear tonight, yeah, Brett. That, yeah, that went. That, a canning is a. It, it, it's, it takes t- up some time. Yeah, I mean, it's not like hey, let's just knock out a, a batch real quick. I mean, you're looking at. It seems like it, just to do one batch is three hours from yeah. time of processing, searing it, getting it canned, and then putting it in, letting it cool, and you're just like, it's it's a long. If you don't start, it's. Before six o'clock, you're going in the late night. So Lampers told me last spring, about this time, maybe a little bit later, um, that the canner to get was the All American canner, and they are the like they're the best canner out there. And I tried to order one then. Of course, it was COVID, and everybody's like into sour sourdough, and you know it was like the rage to can, and you couldn't get them. And I was like, well, I'll just wait until winter. So a couple months ago, I was like, all right, now's my time. Nobody's thinking about canning right now. And I called All-American, and they told me that they weren't even going to be shipping until September of 2021. What? Um, wow, good for them. Yeah, they're they're crushing it. So I was like, all right, there's no more waiting it out at this point. So I just started scouring the internet, and I found one, and it was expensive as hell. It definitely got price gouged, but I got it yeah. bought. So at least now I'm set up to be able to do it, and I don't have to – you know, borrow my mom's stuff. You know? Mom, hey, can I borrow your can? That's what moms are for, man. That's, <laughs> what, that's what we use them for. But it's it's fun. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun trying. Yeah. And then what we're doing is we're doing different seasonings inside the can. So we're doing like our Miss Brit makes like that a Mississippi roast. I don't know if you've had it yet. You will next time you stay over. Um, that and like taco meats. And I we did a big snowboarding trip with a bunch of vets this year, and we brought out I brought out a bunch of cans. That's awesome. Popped them open, threw them on the 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 skillet and the camp chef, and like we're making so good. Yeah, and this guy's got like carne asada and like pulled pork, yeah. pretty much. Like I mean, and bear breaks down just like a like a pot roast. Yep. you would never know the difference. And these guys were just it's a safe it. way to eat bear. It really is. Cooks yeah. it, gets the trigonose out, hits the temperatures, and you're everything's safe and you're good. And it's just, I mean, it's it's and it's phenomenal. You throw it on some mashed potatoes with the gravy. Oh my god, it's next level. So one thing that I did this year that I was kind of proud of myself for is I took all the all the bigger bones out of my elk. 
and I cut them down into like two and a half, three inch chunks. Mm -hmm. And then I was making soups and beans and stuff with those, with the bone marrow in them. And that bone marrow is really incredible. And that's really the first time I've ever messed with that stuff. I haven't done it yet. It's amazing. It's it's just, it feels good to eat it. You feel good after you've eaten it. It just, I think, you know, humans have been doing it for a long time and it's fatty and nutritious. There's a nutritional value to it. And so, I mean, you give it to, I mean, I give it right now with Brody being so old, you know, 14, he gets, I give him all the marrow and in the broths and stuff. But yeah, that's one thing that Brits definitely wanted to get into. And I think what we're going to do this year, and I have a ton of it still, which it doesn't technically freeze is bear fat. I want to start rendering it down Mm -hmm. and cooking with it. And so we, I've, every bear, you know, we all cut it depending on the pack out and where we're at, you know, sure, you know, with that, but it's, there's, I mean, God, those those bears, I mean, you got two, three inches of fat on them. And I'd always look at these things and be like, you know, even though you technically don't have to take bear out in a lot of areas, there's not a lot of, you know, know, certain areas don't have a a want and waste on it. So technically you can leave the meat you just have to bring the hide and, you know, head out. I feel so bad, you know, killing it. I, I love bears. They're such an awesome animal to watch and to kind of study and just mm-hmm. get to know. So, you know, I want to do the respect and bring the whole thing out. And I'd always just leave so much fat on the mountain. And I'm just like, and every time we'd be like, oh, God, like it's, we got to go uphill for a couple miles. Then we got to cross a river. I'm like, yeah, I don't need the fat that bad. But then last year I, I was just like, you know what, screw it. And we would just, I'd just start hacking just giant chunks. I mean, you get five, 10 pounds off of one little slab off the back. And it's just like, all right, cool. And we still, I have it all in my freezer still. I don't know if it sours or not. I haven't looked up that yet, but it, it's still going to be good. So here's the mistake. The first time I rendered bear fat, um, I'd read that you had to cut it into one inch cubes mm-hmm. um, to render it. And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Mm-mm. You do like, go ahead. Oh, really? <laughs> go ahead and do that. Okay. So um, you just threw like a whole chunk in and tried to do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was throwing in like, you know, I was cutting it up and there's like fist sized chunks yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. I was just trying to rush my way through it and it takes a long time to render it out And the smaller you cut those pieces out, the less gristle and stuff you get. And, uh, Can you, you almost run it through a grinder almost like burger it or no, you might be able to, um, I think, you know, I would just follow the directions and the yeah. directions say one yeah, inch yeah, chunks yeah. and simmer it for a long time outside because it definitely smells oh yeah but once you render it down and you get all the cracklings out of it and then you pour that stuff through cheesecloth and and mm-hmm. into jars it is just beautiful and it doesn't have that odor anymore pure uh, white pure just, white and it almost looks like coconut oil in a way it does um and it's awesome on leather it's there's nothing better for pastries like there's no uh, better shortening for pastries than bear lard so I didn't think of that. See, yeah. now, now we're talking. Yeah. Now we're talking. So I, you know, take bear fat over to my grandma and then she's like, oh, I'll make you a pie. And I'm like, yes. Hell yeah. yeah. I want one. Full circle. I want a grandma's pie. <laughs> I want an apple pie. Or, or or like a mixed berry pie. Especially if you kill the bear out of that orchard. That's cool. That, that's, yeah, that would be the ultimate. Yeah. That would be like my like, like, all right. I'm good, mm-hmm. you know, to kill a bear and then do a start to finish in an apple orchard to make a pie at the end with the bear fat. Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. No. No, it's, it's, I love, dude, it, just trying new things is so much fun. Like yeah. It, and you screw some things up and you're like, okay, like we did a marin, actually my buddy in Hawaii sends me these big jars that they, uh, when they kill those pigs over there, they'll just, mm-hmm. they'll do the big strips and they throw it in a cooler and then do this like really citrusy uh, marinade and they, mm. then they hang it and they smoke it's unreal well he sent me a bunch for pork and i was like ah you know like bears kind of resemble a pork in a way right like the feed and everything obviously not meat structure but 
and we we went to Meriday to do jerky with it, and the citrus broke the. I I, I want to say it's a citrus because this is the most like acidic marinade that I had had at that time in bear meat, and dude, it like broke down the meat fibers where it was like mush. And we ended up doing a bunch of it in a batch because I was going to do jerky. Then I did the back straps as well, threw the back straps on, cooked them up. And like all of us kind of bit into it. We've eaten a lot of bear prior to this. And so nobody even hesitated. It's not like, oh, this is new. We're trying bear, you know, like for the first time. The kids just, and I'm watching the kids and they're just all like, like doing like the Play-Doh in your mouth kind of feel. And I'm like, what's wrong? And they're like, I don't know. And then Britt takes a bite and she's just like, something's wrong. And I'm like, what do you mean something's wrong? And I did it and like I took a big bite. You could smush it with your tongue. Like it just, yeah, it threw it off. sound good. No, it was horrible. Yeah. We I was like, oh, we don't want to eat this. Like we screwed up. It's just, but now I know like something yeah. really, I mean, I don't know if we just left it, marin- you know, to, to sit too long, but I was only, I think like a day or two, which yeah. whatever, shouldn't have broken down that bad, but yeah, it was really mushy. That's it was, funny. it was different. And so we're like, okay, now we know, you know, something really high acidic levels maybe doesn't go in the bear meat mm. for that long. What's new with Cryptek? A lot, man. We got a lot of new gear coming. Um, if we can get it here, COVID really slowed everything down. I sure. mean, it, it's really kind of screwed us right now in the fact, not in a bad way. I mean, the show's being canceled was huge for everybody. I mean, it was kind of a year to breathe and yeah. now we're, we're developing a lot of, we're taking this time that when we're normally at shows and doing the hustle and bustle of every single trade show. Now we're taking this time to develop a lot of cool stuff. We're actually have, I don't even know if I should talk about it. We might have to blur this out, but we're coming up with a waterfowl line. I'll, I'll, I'll find out if we can talk about this or not. So we're coming up with a waterfowl line, so developing a new waterfowl. This is going to come out tomorrow. Okay, fuck it. We're sending it then. <laughs> so <laughs> let me make a phone call <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Anyways, we're coming out with a waterfowl line. The pattern is awesome. We're still working, tweaking it a little here and there. Um, to be able to like develop a pattern yeah. off of, and how many layers go into something is, is so much fun. I mean, and then you remove one layer and it changes the look of everything. So then you got to like start all over and figure out, you start with your lights on the bottom, then build dark and then just knowing which layer to put them in a way. And it honestly, but as far as like gear wise, man, I'm really excited. We got some really nice uh, obviously the obscure pattern launch this year, we did a soft launch. We really haven't even launched that yet because COVID, if we, we, we went to launch right in the middle of it. So it was just mm-hmm. horrible timing. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's going really well, man. We're, we're growing like crazy. A lot of changes for the good. I mean, it's, we restructured a lot and, and put, move some people around in, in the back of the company, which is now just excelling us. It's, it's fun. I mean, we're hiring, we're getting ready to bring on a couple new guys, which I'm really excited to train those guys up and allow me to do more of my position there and, and start working with a lot more guiding outfitters. Nice. And so, yeah, it's, it's good, man. I'm really looking forward to the future. So we're, you know, out here, SIG is, is bringing in guides and outfitters and instead of just like sending them their product or like giving them a discount on their product, we're, we're flying them to Montana from all over the country Unreal. and then training them on these products. Cryptech is doing a lot the same. So your relationship with guides and outfitters is not standard like the rest of the camo companies. I try not to be. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you create a new model? Honestly, it's listening to the guys at the end of the day and really getting to in their heads of what they want. Get it, bringing them out. That's why a big thing of bring. You were one of my first guys that I called. Yeah, and it was just bringing in killers. Like at the end of the day, absolute killers. And there's a difference. I mean, and we should. Fuck, that could be a whole other podcast. Self difference between a hunter and a killer. Huge difference. And a lot of you tell it to some people, and they just look at you like, "What? Like 
I'm like, a, a killer? You you put a round through something, they already got that bolt racked, and they're putting a second round in it, even if it, they know it's a, you know, it's just yeah. guys are killers. And so that's what I, those are the guys that are live, breathe, eat, sleep the mountains or just the fields, whatever it is. And so that was a big thing with me this year is picking these guys that are just die hard in the field, running 50, 60, 70 clients through multiple states and just listening to them like what do you guys want what do, what do we need to, to help you and so being able to take that back and be like okay we need to change this a little bit or develop this or hey this might be something we really need to look into it just helps us at the, at the end of the day like if i'm going to be wearing gear 300 days out of the year like i want it to be comfortable i want it to be able to perform i know that i can trust it when i'm anywhere i'm at in the world and so that's where bringing guys on like you and this is kind of like a mentality that we have not to this level but bringing in these guides and outfitters and sitting them at a round table and be like okay you've run all of our gear for the last year let's let's hear it i want i I don't even want the goods we already know what's good i want to know what you hate about it if you hate anything about it what needs to be changed and so i don't cool things are great and work awesome i mean and that's the awesome thing about a veteran company mm -hmm. because that's the way we're used to giving each other feedback yep. like a compliment from you is a nicety but it doesn't really benefit from me a criticism benefits me because now you've identified something i didn't know about myself that yep. i can start improving on absolutely and that's really helpful like that's how we make each other better and a lot of civilians um haven't ever communicated with each other in that way and it's, it's not like they're they're sensitive or softer or whatever i'm not saying there's anything bad about it but they just haven't had that experience of, of communicating in that style. And it, it makes, um, it makes progress slower Absolutely. because you can't, you can't be like, Hey, your baby, your baby's ugly, but this is how you fix it. <laughs> right. Yes. But you can roll into Cryptech and be like, uh, this didn't work and this is what needs to be improved. And you guys are like, Oh, thank you. That's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. We're, we're on it. And that, and it's, it's, the reason I do that is because I've worked with a lot of companies where they'll send me something and I'll be like, I'll just stare at it and be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever run. Like this doesn't work for me. Yeah. Like I, if it's not working and I'm not some crazy Remy Warren, these guys that are just next, you know, just, they just, I'm just an average guy. It's, I just, Hey, I'm the same as everybody else. I work, bust my ass and get my gear and I want it to be able to perform to how I want it how I'm going to use it. Do I hunt and really hunt really hard and break a lot of things? Yes. But as far as performance wise, and so I would see these problems and be like, and I'd reach out to these guys be like, Hey guys, like this little change here is going to be next level. And they would get so pissed <laughs> off sometimes. Like, yeah. cause people just because you're an owner or work for a company doesn't mean I don't want to hear the negative. I do. Right. Right. And so same like referring back to the Marine Corps, like if you're fucked up, I'm going to tell you you're fucked up. <laughs> That's just how it is. Right. Yeah. And so, but these, not saying anybody's soft or sensitive, but they just haven't been given the proper information on some products. And I'll tell you, dude, there's a company this year that I ran their bipods for the last two years and I hated them. I hate everything about this bipod. I'd set my gun down. It'd fall over. I've never had a gun fall over on a bipod. I'm going to say, so this is, this is a good story. So in Spartan, Spartan, um, precision, mm -hmm. Spartan bipods, right? Yep. I've, oh my God, dude, I, I've never had so many meltdown. Like I legitimately threw an adult tantrum this year. On an antelope <laughs> hunt. I set my rifle down. 
on flat ground and it just fell over. <laughs> I've never had it happened three times this year. I've never had a rifle just fall over. I ripped that bipod off and I hucked that thing so far and I had like three at home and I'm like done. I'm done. And I threw on my buddy's like Burris. What I don't know. Yeah. One of those just sh- whatever Walmart yeah. bipods, right? Fold out. Guess what? My guns weren't falling over. Everything worked fine. Well, they saw that I didn't have their bipod anymore, and they reached out. And I was like, oh, man, it was late at night. I was really tired. And I was like, cracked the knuckles and just started typing. And I did it tactfully, but in a way that they needed to know. And I sent them videos and pictures, and I was like, I'm done with you guys. I'm no longer, like, I'm sorry. Like, this works great for putting on a bench, and you when you got time, and everything's great. They wrote me back, and they're like, bam, they're like, those are, we don't even make those bipods anymore. Those are obsolete. We've come out with so many new versions. They're like, God, we, and I held off because of companies in the past. They'll get mad at you, right? Not mad, but they take it personal. They think just because you're like, got an influence or a following that you're just gonna be like, this is the greatest product in the world. And that's not me. Like, I'm not going to tell some guy to buy a product that I don't believe in. I think that's the worst thing you can ever do. And so it's especially these blue collar guys, people follow, they follow, dude, I follow you for tips or like hit you up for advice on things. Right. And it's like, if you were steering me wrong, I mean, there goes everything that like I thought you were. So I never want to be that guy. Granted, does some gear work better than others that what works for you might not work for me. But when people ask me, I'm like, Hey, from how I hunt and how things are, this is what I love. So I reach, you know, when they Spartan reached out to me and I told them, I was like, this thing is garbage. I'll never run these again. I was like, this is why. And I gave them all these points. Like if you, you guys need to consider this, 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 they threw a box together. I mean, I had it at my house in like two weeks. So they got shipped across the pond. Unbelievable the new products they have. And just the fact that they t- they went out of the way and they watched who's running their gear or why it wasn't. And I was getting ready to, and it was one of those, like I had to cool off kind of periods because it cost me like a really good go at this one opportunity. And so I was just, it was just one of those, like you don't want to have, the bipods the last thing you should ever have to worry about. But hey, they they found that they those were problems come with their Gen 1 bipod and they made went through and redeveloped like three or four different ones and they sent them. They're like, run them all. I've run two so far throughout the end of the fall going into spring now and man, I haven't had any issues with them. And ever, all those little tips that pointers that I was like going to recommend or I did recommend, they already had them, they implemented them and they already had it changed before I even knew that. And I was like, but that's from listening to a company and bettering your product. Yeah. And so I was like, ah, good for you guys. Like that's incredible. And so, yeah. And you have to keep improving. Always. Like you can't be like, yep, that's good enough. No. And when you do, that's when you just get stagnant and somebody else is going to develop something better or take what you have and just make a better product and and develop that. And guess what? There goes everything that you work for. So you're constantly having to evolve. I mean, we got some really cool gear out right now. Some moisture wicking technology shirts, like hot weather ones that are hoods. I mean, it's just, they're so awesome. I mean, for that just miserable antelope early archery season when you're sweating all day, kind of like how you and I did our hunt in yep. August and shot that camel. So, <laughs> which I just found that picture the other day and went and looked, nice. it, it, nice. I looked at the comments and I was just <laughs> laughed. I was like, that was a good, that's a good memory to pop up. Um, so an example of a company that that kind of rested at, at where they were and it cost them everything is Sears. So oh. Sears was this huge company. There was, there's Sears stores everywhere. Mm-hmm. They had a catalog that was bigger than the Anything. New York city phone book. You could kill a man with it. <laughs> it. It felt like Sears would never go away. Like they were, they were a, just a household item. Yep. Um, definitely a household name. 
and they had the opportunity to be Amazon. And they're like, no, we do stores and catalogs. And they're bankrupt. They're In- gone. Innovate or die. Yep. You have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, and there's a lot of things, uh, the behind the scenes that were probably three, four, five years ago, Cryptech probably would never even have considered because we didn't want to go that path or that route. But now the way that the world's changing, like you just have to find out and new avenues approaching. And with social media, it can be flipped off at a switch now. I mean, it's mm-hmm. scary what we've been, we, we've gone through in this last couple of months with the whole change of presidency and the way that social is going as a whole. It's scary, man, to be a second amendment friendly pro law enforcement, pro military, everything. Now there's a, for a lot of people listening, they're not going to see it right away. There's a line being drawn in the hunting industry especially in these camel companies and product companies. Yeah. You're going to start seeing these companies not posting as many kill pictures, posting more scenic pictures, more hiking pictures. They're going a lot of solids because they're trying to capitalize on this. And I'm going to say it and you can blur it's They're granola hunters, right? Mm-hmm. Or these people that are, they're kind of on the fence, but they don't want to offend anybody or want anybody knowing what they're actually doing is where some of these companies are going and where Cryptech's going. We support our troops. We support our Second Amendment. We support the rights in this country of freedom of speech. And so that's where we're, we're on that side of the fence. We're never going to bend the knee. We're, we're built off of, of killing. That's what a camel company is built off of. And a lot of these companies now are trying to hide it and like try to covering it up with funny, cool little marketing things. And so here in the next year, in a year and a half, you're going to see a big, I mean, I get phone calls every single day. I'm done with so-and-so. This company, I'm, I'm not going to support this anymore. I see the path. People are starting to get a little view of the future. I'm, I'm really interested to see where it's going to go because, I mean, you're seeing these companies hiring these new marketing people, and it's just, we just sit back and just shake our heads like, oh, my God, I don't know why this company, I'm not going to, I don't want to name drop any companies, but we have insight on all this, and it's just, oh, they just hired some vegan, vegan marketing director out of San Francisco to run. I'm, we're just like, what? Like now, and all of a sudden within two weeks, they, this company went through, they put some back on now we've had this conversation, but they removed every kill picture off their website. This is a huge hunting company. Yeah. And they caught a ton of flack for it at first. They made a bunch of their pro staff have to sign NDAs that their pro staff aren't even allowed to sign or not even allowed to post pictures before being approved. That's that's censorship. It really is. And this is a company like, you're based off killing things. Like, let's face the facts. Like, we're right. not harvesting. We're killing at yeah. the end of the day. It's not a carrot. This, it, It's not a fucking cornfield, okay? <laughs> like, we're out killing. We might be killing shit in the cornfield. But, yeah. and so, that it's crazy to think that. And these companies, I'd, I'm, I'm really curious to see how the industry goes here in the next. Because, I mean, you take these riots and, and we could talk, the capital storming, right? We talked about a little bit earlier. We got hammered. Absolutely hammered because... People wore cryptic for the riots, the capital storming, right? Even though we all know how that went. And this company went through and they picked every brand, every logo that was Second Amendment friendly, military friendly, law enforcement friendly, gun friendly. And there, I mean, there's how many people, thousands of people were there, but they went through and found the pro companies, right? The, 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 the right wing, I guess, companies is how we were labeled. And they made a list. They went through screen by screen, picture by picture, and found every logo, every brand, and made a list of it and sent it to all the news stations 
major news stations. So we were getting phone calls from all from coast to coast. And then they sent it to all the major marketing or um, social media platforms. They shut off. I think we were running like 130 ads. They shut 130, 140 ads, maybe more. They shut everything off. We were running. We went down. They knocked us down. I think it was like three ads that we were. I couldn't even run an ad on ranch gloves. And it was because they didn't. So wild, dude. They didn't want us inciting more violence because of our platforms is what the excuse that they were coming back Which with. Which you haven't done at all. And nothing. You haven't done at all. Not even come close but to it. But did you see Patagonia on the list? No. Did you see sure. Nike, Nike, Adidas, North Face, whatever, whatever yeah. right? None of those. It was yeah. all, they went through and did their homework and they found companies that, you know, are yeah. gun friendly or hunting friendly and they just put it all in this list and overnight, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that. And it's just, that's what the world's coming to. So you have to innovate or die. So one of our things was, Hey, maybe we need to go back to a lot more print media. Can't shut yeah. it off. Maybe we need to start hitting these apps, the, my outdoor things like, you know, carbon TV, maybe those are routes yeah. we need to go. go wild. And so exactly. Yeah. And so it's just things like that. And you know, it's just, where do you go next? And so some of these companies are trying to go soft, so they're not getting flagged and monetized so much, but we don't care, man. This is who we are. This is what we're built off of. We're veterans. We're not going to bend the knee to anybody. This is, this is, this is cryptic. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting to see. I'm really curious to see where the industry goes here in the next year, year and a half. I know this is going to seem a little bit moto, but when you, as a Marine swore to support and defend the constitution, Mm -hmm. like, did that feel like just, just a step, like just something that you do, or or did you feel like that was a serious thing? To me personally, yeah, I got goosebumps, dude, thinking that. I'm from upstate New York, so the world, I joined literally, I watched the second plane hit. I was in study hall, never forget, I'm in study hall, Mr. Agliano's class, kid come running in, plane just hit the World Trade Center, it's on the news, and they're running, teachers are going down the hallways, like, turn on the news, turn on the news. Soon as he turned the news on, I'm talking five seconds, boof, second plane, right? So that hit personal. I mean, I'm that's that's home. I'm not from New York City. I've never even been in New York City, but that's home. It's your home state, yeah. mine at least at the time. And so that was a no-brainer. I mean, I was supposed to be playing college ball that fall. I mean, I had my whole future set, and I was just like, okay, this is. I need to do this. I'm. I need to go. You know, and watching everything that happened after that. And I was like, okay, so when I, I'll never forget, man, it was so hard for me to raise my hand and take that oath. Like at the depth, you know, when you swear in as a pulley or whatever, at the depth, you know, when you, and when you, when you take that oath, I mean, it was, I mean, it, it was personal. I mean, and I had a lot of pride in at the time. And and so it was just one of those things. Like I, I knew I had to, it wasn't even a choice. It was one of those like, okay, like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta do this. And so it wasn't like going home, like, okay, like. I don't know if I'm going to join the R. I was like, I'm going to Marine Corps. Like I'm, and, and honestly, this, the, what made me join the military was once the guys pushed into Fallujah, I was on spring break with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And we turned on the, the news station to get an update of what was going on. And all you can hear, and I didn't know what it was at the time. It was a 50 cal. It was the Ma Deuce on a Humvee. And there was a news reporter in the Humvee. And you could hear him just like trying to report it. You know, then they were yeah. calling in. There was no... Right, Dude, we didn't have anything. I mean, right. God, we didn't even hardly have the roll-up phones or the cameras. We'd ring, 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 take the picture, you know? That's what yeah. we were dealing with. But this guy was on a sat phone in Iraq reporting in on the news, and you could just hear Marines in the you know, in the background screaming, and then you could hear this fifty cal just just hooking and jabbing. But it was the brass hitting the, the, the hood and the roof of, or inside the Humvee, 
And I was like, what is that? Like, you just hear like, Jeff Fire, and all these guys screaming, doo, 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 doo. Was like, you know, that the, dude, brass falling is the most like beautiful sound ever. Yes. Especially coming from a full auto. I mean, yeah. the Mod Deuce or even the Mark 19 is just the greatest sound ever. And I was just like, I need to do that. That's, that's, that's it. And so I literally was like, I went to a recruiting station, signed the dotted line, off I went. But yeah, I mean, when I, when I swore in and t- raised my right hand, man, it was an emotional thing for me. Like, I was ready for it. And, and in all seriousness, after you're out, do you feel like you still have an obligation? Or do you feel like I did my time and it's over with? Or do you feel like... I'm torn, dude. I'm honestly, I'm really torn on that. And I haven't communicated it, so I don't even know how to really. But like, I did my time, right? Served my country. I did two tours. Got out. I went back to Afghan on the civilian side. And then that's when I started a family. And that's why coming back and then kind of going into the new civilian world, right? I've let it go in my mind. I've prepped myself and it's hard because like contracts are going, like I love being deployed. If I could have stayed deployed my whole career, I would have. If I didn't have a family, I would just, I would have been, a, I would never would have left if that was an option. And now that I have daughters and they're at that age where like, it's just so fun and just, I love it. I love being a dad. It's the greatest thing I could ever be. But at the end of the day, this is our country. And so if I was called, it would be, it would have to be for the right reason, right? I wouldn't just, I get hit up, dude, let's go to the Capitol. Let's go. We're going to fight these leftists and and fascists. And I'm just like, dude, I've done my fucking time. Like I went to, I went across the world and fought a war for you. Like drive your ass to Portland and go put some body armor on and go take care of it yourself. When you need me, I'll be there. But until that's just, but that's my mindset. I know a lot of vets are like, let's go. I get hit up by a lot of vets. But I'm at a point in my life, like, if I'm going to risk something now, it's got to be for everything and for the right reason. And so is it hard looking at our country where we just were to now where we're headed and just the way that it's just getting so soft? It, it's disgusting. And it's like, I've had these conversations with Britt, like, was it, was it even, was it pointless? Was it pointless to join? I mean, fuck, dude, how many guys got killed? How many guys are wounded? I have an organization because of this. Yeah. But now we're finding out all this information. Like, I'm not trying to go on, like, some QAnon thing, but, like, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out of, like, just they, they knew there was never weapons of mass destruction. They knew all this information, but we did it anyways. Do I have any regrets? Absolutely not. I saw the lives that were changed. I mean, for Christ's sakes, man, I was handing out, I was calling my ex-wife at the time, ship me as many boxes of pencils and paper as you can. That's all these kids would ask for. When you, you I mean, yeah. you, you know how it is. When you're, going door to door every day and these kids we'd go into these schools and these kids is mr pencil pencil all they wanted was to learn and we would open these towns up we'd go to these towns that were shut off by the the mujahideen at that point i guess it's all just isis now but if you yeah. remember the mujahideen yeah. and what well, alibaba and all that and uh and we'd go to these towns and open them back up and then we were we would literally escort these kids from each side of town, there'd be a squad on each side every morning, and these kids would pretty much meet at a bus stop, and we would escort them to school every day. So they, they knew that they weren't getting messed with. There was, like, no harassment from, you know, the Taliban or whatever. And we'd drop them off at school, and these kids, please, please, please. And so, you know, we would just be handing out little notepads and pencils. All, and now, imagine coming from a third-world country where you don't even, you're shitting in a hole in the ground. You don't even know if you're eating food or what you're having for dinner that night. All these kids would ask for a pencil and paper. So, like, I, I know the good we did. I saw, I helped build playgrounds and rebuild schools and get these kids going again and getting communities going again. But, like, for what? Yeah. Right? Now, at least. I mean, if we're on the same path, I had no problem until 
last year of like ever questioned my service. And like, I don't question it now. Like it was an, it was a, it was something that I have a lot of pride in and not, there's very few people that can say they joined the Marines and they deployed and had time of their life. I mean, the friends, I just had a friend in my house all this week that I haven't seen in eight years that we deployed together. I went to boot camp with this guy. We did everything together. And so, but you have that brotherhood and the bond, you have the honor, you have just the traditions of everything. And, you know, so that'll never die in me, but it's like, now I look back at it and like, fuck man, like, what are we doing? Like, where's this country going? It's, it's really tough. It's really tough for me as well. And I look at, I look at it in a similar way where I, I feel like what I actually did in Afghanistan had very little impact on Afghans Mm -hmm. on the rest of the world, Mm -hmm. if any. Absolutely. And it had a negative impact on all those Marines who went there. Yeah. We all came out of it. Fucked up. Changed. We all came out of it broken Mm -hmm. in in different ways. Mm -hmm. In, in, In all kinds of ways. But we went in there as professionals. Yep. And we upheld the tradition of the United States Marine Corps, which is not an easy thing to it's do. It's not, man. It's it's a those are they're big shoes to fill. Um so the things that Marines have been doing have been impressive for you know <laughs> since seventeen seventy five. Two hundred and years. It's been impressive, right? It really has. But uh then the and the things that we did are impressive too. The the effect, the impact, I don't think it was positive. No, um, man. No. But well, you can't look at it like that, James. We, we kept the machine going. Yeah, and that and that and it's not our job to one worry about that. I feel like, well, mate, you okay? Yeah. Okay, so this is a cool conversation because you're the sure. officer side. So I like hearing this. So like, as a troop, it's not my concern to see to know if we're obviously at the end of the day, I don't want to come in and just rape and pillage, right? Like yeah. that's just not what we're about. So from my point of view, like it's, 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 it's weird, man. It's a weird, it's hard to explain. Like I wasn't concerned if we're making, doing good or bad. I was concerned about keeping my guys alive and getting our mission done. Right. Yep. But I feel on the, the brass side of things, the senior officer side, like they're the ones that are hearts and minds. Right. And so I don't know, it's, it's just weird, but I mean, did I make a difference in Barwana or Ramadi or, you know, Hocklanier, you know, like Haditha, did we make a difference? I don't know. I mean, I saw smiles on kids' faces, but the Iraq war is completely different than Afghan. Afghan is just, that's like, I look at it. I never fought in the Afghan war, like in the Marines. I went as a contractor, but even still, that was nothing. I feel it was more of like a jungle ambush type war when in Iraq, like we wouldn't, you'd go into a town and I mean, he'd kick in a few doors first day and then things would calm down real quick, you know? And so then we were able to do these little missions of, yeah, being able to so to do some good, but I mean, I have buddies, man. They, they, they just it was a horrible experience for them. I mean, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I hated the Marine Corps. I hated it, and that's why I got out. I went to work every day, and I was disgusted to put on my just because how everything changed. And that was just more job, not Marine Corps as a whole. That was just being an Amtrak or being the worst fucking MOS in the Marine Corps. But I hated it at that point. I knew it was time for me to go because I didn't want to be the next generation of just a pissed off staff NCO that hated my life, was miserable, treated everybody like shit. And I was like, you know what? If I if you don't like it, change it. That's you know, I'm I'm one of those. I'm a big firm believer. And so that was like that decision. I was like, I joined the Marine Corps because I had so much pride at the time, and now I hate it so much. Like I need to get that back, so I need to step away so I can appreciate it. It was one of those things. Like 
boot camp. You don't appreciate yeah. boot camp till it's over. Then you could sit with your buddies and be like, you remember you got fucked up that day? Like those yeah. drill instructors just hammered you. So it's one of those deals. But I mean, as far as like deploying, I mean, I kind of went down a rabbit hole, but as far as like, it's, it's tough, man. It's a lot of guys came back broken and I don't, I don't know if it's, if it was worth it or not. And, but I mean, for guys like you and I to be able to provide opportunities for these guys. And right now is a really hard time. I mean, we just finished a snowboarding clinic in Salt Lake and these guys, every single one of them are like, man, this is the first time I've done anything in a year. Yep. And these, these vets and, and then now this, the new party, they don't care. I mean, they're not considering that what these guys, I mean, these vets, they just, they need a brotherhood. They need a support system. And now they're locking everything down. It's just, I, I just, I can see what's coming. And I know I've seen what, what's happening. I mean, a lot more guys are very, the stresses of losing this country and fighting for it. It weighs on every single veteran's shoulders. That's been the, to combat or been forward deployed or just been in some shit. And so it's like, I mean, dude, I, I had a, dude, a huge, I mean, you and I talked about it when you were at the house, like, it was a, just one of those straight just meltdowns, you know. I'd see this Antifa, and they're tearing down statues of, like, of, you know. Everything. Everything. History. Yep. I don't care what – history is history. When you erase history, like it, – It's the only thing we have to learn from. And that's it. And it, cool, were these guys slave owners at one point? Did, it's history. Like that should be not, that shouldn't be race. That should be something that's studied. And where do you th- look where we're at now? Look where this, we've come so far from those days, but Oh my God, he had a plant plantation at some point. And th- but forget everything that this person paved for this, this country. And they just focus on the negative and they just want to erase it. And that's the worst thing we can do. And like, you see these generals, these statues of generals and stuff. And it's like, they're tearing them down. It's like, what are we, what are we doing? And so I felt the weight on mine, and I know every every vet sees that. You see what's going on in Portland. They're burning, and these cops are just standing defenseless. And it's like it makes my blood boil. Like I didn't go to war to watch this country do this. Well, and a lot of those, a lot of those police are veterans as well. <laughs> I have buddies that yeah. were at the Capitol, and yeah. they were just sending me videos every night. Like, still here, man. I'd be like, you saved? Like, yeah. Like we're here, and it's just it's crazy times. And so I mean, <laughs> a buddy of mine who was on uh, SWAT in Oregon ran out of twelve gauge bean bags. <laughs> Did he? Lucky. God, that'd be the fun. The time of his life. God, that'd be fun. Yeah, there's that a guy. It's also terrifying. You know, yeah. that's such a bad place for for law enforcement to be, and I I really I really feel for them, and they're they're doing their absolute best. I got pulled over uh, in Idaho on the way here. I've Where? Been, I haven't been pulled over for years on on Lola Pass. Um, it's fifty miles per hour. Mm-hmm. I was doing sixty two. Um, the guy was coming past me in the opposite lane. I saw him tap his brakes, go around the corner. There's a pullout. I pulled in there. He pulled up behind me. He goes, were you waiting on me? And I said, yeah, I saw, I saw you tap your brakes. <laughs> they usually cut your brake when you do that. I've learned with my experience. Well, you know, it's a, it's a curvy-ass road. I don't want to make it more dangerous for yeah. him by seeing if he's going to pull me over and yeah, being yeah, on yeah. some blind corner. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, he's like, got your license? Got your registration? Yep. I was already out of my rig. Had a gun on my hip. Like, wasn't a factor. He was polite. I was polite. Mm-hmm. We parted ways and went on with our lives. Um, like we should really be understanding that these guys have a super dangerous job that they're doing all on their own. They're on a, a on a deployment, twelve months out of the 365 year, sixty-five days forever. A year. It's a mm-hmm. forever deployment, mm-hmm. and yeah, they get to come home at night, but they don't really get to come home because they're tethered to this phone. Where anything that comes up, that phone goes off, and they have to respond to it. They're always keyed up. And then you're going to give them a hard time because somebody 
11 states away did the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, just treat them like a human being. I've had a lot of run-ins with law enforcement. I mean, my record is not the cleanest. <laughs> long, long but distinguished. <laughs> hey, if you're going to do it, you gotta, you got to go speak for the fences. And I would say 75% of the time, 80% of the time, me being the person I am, I deserved it. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten tickets for doing 155 and a 50, operating a motor vehicle on one wheel while standing on one foot. I mean, you name it, I've gotten a ticket for it. I've run several times, not proud of it, got away, thank God, because I was still in the Marine Corps at that time. But every single cop that I've showed respect to, respect back. Yeah. I mean, I got pulled, like literally was racing a car doing a, I mean, he clawed, he said I was doing 155. I was doing way higher than that. And... I was, I'm like, yeah, you got me like busted. Right. And you just show the respect. I mean, I've been pulled over before in the middle of Wyoming, the middle, middle of the night, cutting across that pass, trying to get to Colorado, two guns on the front seat, pistol next to me doing a hundred miles an hour, get pulled over, roll the windows down, cop rolls up. Hey, got firearms in the truck. Sorry. Here's my license registration. Already have it out. Not digging for anything, not cracking my window. Um, whatever these people say on these YouTube videos to do these like law enforcement checks, which is just drives me insane. You're going to sit here and argue with a cop for 15 minutes. Give him your license registration. If you screwed up, take it on the chin like a man. Okay. Yeah. Go. If, if you think you're wrong, you're wrong. But like cops, man, I mean, just have just beat up. I mean, it's just, it's gotta be so tough to be a cop. Right? And here, here's another thing. I'm not saying that every policeman is going to return respect to you. Oh, no, no. Because they're, it, they're, they're, it, they're yeah. human beings. Mm-hmm. And they're pissed off. You don't know what they've dealt with that day. Sure. What's going on at home. Now they're dealing with some punk-ass kid. Some guy that's speeding in the school zone. It's like bitching. Out. Yes. Who, who knows? But I can promise you this. You being respectful in that situation is not going to make it worse. No, not at all. So he's just be, be respectful. He's not going to be mad at you for being like, yes, sir. No, sir. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Roll your windows down. Turn your vehicle off. Like, I don't care. Like, oh, they're, they can't ask for a driver's license. Who can I don't. What are they going to. They got your license plate. They already know who you are. Like, why do you think they sit in their car five minutes before they even get out? They already run everything just, on you. Just be respectful. Just give it to them. And yeah. it's just, it's, it's crazy though, man. But I mean, there's a, they go through a lot. And I keep, I, I've been saying it for the last year or two and it's gotten even worse. Law enforcement is in our era of the Vietnam vets now. They are. Yep. And I think that we're going to be ashamed about the way we treated them in the same way that people are ashamed of the way that Vietnam Mm -hmm. veterans were treated. And those guys deal with just, I did a ride along in high school and for two weeks because I was interested in going to law enforcement, I went changing. I'm so glad I did it. After two days, I was like, get me the fuck out of here. I mean, we went to houses that were hoarders with kids in them, having yeah. to do um, health and wellness checks. I'm talking paths through houses with cat shit everywhere. I mean, stunk so bad. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm just a kid. Why am I even in this house, first off? This is the worst school project I've ever had to do. And just dealing. I mean, you'd go to a call, and people automatically would be all over these guys, like, get fucking screaming and just treating them. I'm just like, God, every day, huh? Yeah, man, it's part of the job. But then you'd go and they'd do some good and it would make, you know, make you feel good. But I mean, I give cops a lot of, I give, I give them a lot of backlash. You know, I got a lot of cop buddies and I'll always post something, throw little jabs at them because I know they follow it. And, uh, but I mean, in all honestly, man, I feel so, so bad for cops these days because they just, 
get beat up, man. It's it's a it's a tough job. Like I didn't I wouldn't want to be a cop. Did you I know like, that the cop is an acronym? No, I didn't. I just learned this. It stands for Constable on Patrol. <laughs> I had no idea. I've never even seen that, I don't think. So and and that just goes to show that we care so little about our mm-hmm. law enforcement that we don't even understand what we're calling them. Yeah. That's Isn't true. that amazing? That's true. Like that 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 should be standard knowledge. They really should. Huh, that's interesting. Constable on patrol. Oh yeah. 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 Good well man, times. good times. Man. I'm excited for this week. We're going to have a blast. I am. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to shoot some some prototype guns that aren't out yet. Ooh. That's always fun. Got a big old pile of ammo. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. And uh, the, this is the fact to be able to come out here and check out new things is uh, is going to be interesting. And it's cool on the guiding side because there's I get a lot of questions on social media. And I'm I and I don't know it. I mean, it's just I'm just a guy like everybody else. Trying, and people are like, how, how did you do that? Here's what I did. Now I'll, I'll be educated on the top level with the top shooters in the world right now here yeah. at this ranch with us. And I mean, who would not want this opportunity? I mean, <laughs> when you were like, Hey dude, you're going to Montana and you don't have an option. I was like, okay, like one, I'm not going to argue this Two, like when and where. And so, but the fact that like the, the, the quality of people that SIG is, 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 partnering with and bringing on it just shows you they're not playing man yeah they're six here to take over and they are and they're yeah. they're coming and you want to talk about innovator die yeah <laughs> move so fast unreal i mean so fast when you first were just getting on with sig you're like man like i'm so excited there's some cool little things that i'm working on and then it was like hey bam here's this thing that i worked <laughs> on i was like what the hell like how and you're just yeah. like these guys don't play i mean they're just they get it, they come up with an idea and uh come up with an idea and they have these engineers and that's more than I would I honestly want to come out and, and tour the facility and see everything after you came back and told me all the stories it's definitely the back of my mind but just the fact that they have teams and just hey this is what we want this is how we want it figure it out yeah and they do yeah I mean not very many companies can play with money like that and take the time and yeah if it fails it fails and they're not worried about it yeah. okay well let's start over moving on Next. Yep. Let's, Sin, let's develop this machine sins gun. Sins of the these, past. These exact specs. Oh, nobody else can do it. Well, SIG can do it. Yeah. And that's the mentality. Those are, that's, it's pretty ballsy. I mean, it's awesome. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. This is a long one, I feel like. It's a great one. Yeah. 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 I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. See you guys later. Later, buddy. This episode is brought to you by Stanley. It's that iconic hammer tone green thermos that women filled with soup while they were building B-17s, and men used to carry coffee when they flew those bombers into combat. It's that faded stainless steel bottle that's seen more trees felled and calves branded and barbed wire stretched than any living man. Six generations of Americans have been using Stanley to keep their coffee hot and their beer cold. They have a 100% leak-proof lifetime guarantee and now it's not just the old green thermos. They have camp cookware, drinkware for that evening scotch, coolers, and some sweet titanium bottles that are light enough you'll throw one in your pack when you go hunting. I love a company that lasts by making gear that lasts. And if you're anything like me, you will also appreciate gear that's more likely to end up in your will than a landfill. I'm not offering a promo code where I get a kickback because that just isn't my style. 
But they do have a sale starting March 1st over at Stanley1913.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share the show with a friend. You can also rate the podcast and leave a review. Your support allows me to keep doing what I love, which is meeting incredible folks and sharing their stories with you. For more content and photos, follow the show on Instagram at Six Ranch Podcast or me at Six Ranch Outfitters. This episode was produced by Emily Brannigan with original music written and performed by Justin Hay. Art for the Six Ranch Podcast was created by John Chatelain and digitized by Celia Christofferson. Tune in every Monday for a brand new episode of the Six Ranch Podcast. I'll catch you next week.